This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the Internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn and via satellite Eutelsat 16A on 11.512 MHz vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east, symbol rate 29.950 mega symbols per second, standard DVB-S2, modulation 8 PSK, audio PID 510. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, I'm your host Elena Enaki bringing you the news, but first let's take a quick look at the weather picture. Romania is in the grip of a cold snap that lasts until Friday. Maximum temperatures range from minus 5 to plus 4 degrees Celsius. The noon reading in Bucharest was 2 degrees. And now the news, the headlines. Romania will send the second search and rescue team to the disaster zone in Turkey. Romania has received the second Patriot system out of the total four contracted for the first stage of the country's equipping program. The Romanian Chamber of Deputies is voting on the simple motion against the Liberal Interior Minister Lucian Bode. And the Romanian men's handball team Dinamo Bucharest is today playing away from home against Porto in the Champions League's Group A. The massive earthquakes that hit Turkey and Syria on Monday killed over 9,500 people, according to official reports made public today. In Turkey, the number of victims gets close to 7,000, with tens of thousands of people injured. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan has declared a three-month state of emergency in the 10 provinces hit by the tremors. Around 70 countries have so far offered to join search and rescue efforts in Turkey. Romania has already sent to the area three aircraft with 60 staff, among whom search and rescue workers, doctors and nurses, and the necessary technique and, according to a decision taken today by the Romanian Committee for Emergencies, a second rescue team is to be sent to Turkey. Numerous Romanians have contacted their country's embassy in Ankara, signaling the difficult situation they are in, but very few have also requested repatriation. On Thursday evening, 13 Romanians were transported to Bucharest on a humanitarian flight coordinated by the Defence Ministry after eight Romanian citizens and two Poles had been repatriated on Monday. Romania has received a second Patriot system out of the total four that were contracted for the first stage of the country's Air Force equipping program. According to Defence Minister Angel Tilvar, the four systems represent the first stage in achieving a state-of-the-art ground-based air defence capability that defends against tactic ballistic missiles and cruise missiles, which can be fully integrated into the NATO system. Patriot systems were first delivered to Romania in 2020. 
and 2023 is the year when the first stage of the equipping program is fully completed, according to the Defense Ministry. The Patriot system is one of the most advanced air protection systems of the American military arsenal. It is a mobile system that usually includes a powerful radar, a control station, a power generator, launch stations and other support vehicles. The European Council on Thursday will hold a summit in Brussels to discuss the war in Ukraine, the EU economy and migration. A video conference chaired by the European Council President was held on Tuesday and was also attended by Romanian President Klaus Johannes, who said talks focused on the support granted to Ukraine, consolidating the competitiveness of the EU economy and implementing concrete measures of combating illegal migration. Although the topic of the Schengen enlargement is not officially on the agenda, President Johannes could informally approach it in the plenary or during bilateral meetings with his counterparts. The Romanian Chamber of Deputies is today voting on the simple motion against the Liberal Interior Minister Lucian Bode, tabled by Usere and the Force of the Right, and which was debated in the plenary on Monday. Its signatories accuse Bode of plagiarism and blame him for the country's failure to join the Schengen area. The Romanian men's handball team Dinamo Bucharest is today playing away from home against Porto in the Champions League's Group A. The Romanians are first in the group and stand big chances to make it to the final. Dinamo have had an exceptional season with 11 points so far, six points ahead of PSG of France and Vesprem of Hungary and three points ahead of Germany's Magdeburg. And that was the news. And now we have an announcement to make. On February 13th, we mark World Radio Day. This year's edition is themed Radio and Peace. War as an antonym to peace signifies an armed conflict between countries or groups within a country, but may also translate into a conflict of media narratives. The narrative can increase tensions or maintain conditions for peace in a given context. Since wars begin in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be constructed. On World Radio Day 2023, we invite you, dear friends, to send us short written or voice messages illustrating this theme radio and peace. We are looking forward to receiving your contributions at engl at rri.ro or on WhatsApp at 0040744312650. The most interesting of them will be included in special editions of our programs or will be posted on our social media. The devastating effects of the earthquake in Turkey have shifted the spotlight on an older problem in Romania, the consolidation of buildings rated as seismic risks. I am Vlad Palku with a report by Stefan Stoika. The earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, like other similar incidents over the years, have again rekindled the memory of the March 1977 earthquake in Romania, and uh, dramatic events back then. Many people are now wondering if Romania too might be the target of a magnitude 7 earthquake in the near future, and doubt whether national authorities are prepared to deal with the aftermath. Seismologist Mihai Diakonescu with the National Institute for Earth Physics Research told the public radio station that the first earthquake measuring 7.8 on the Richter scale 
occurred within the vicinity of a triple junction between the Anatolian, Arabian and African plates, and that this fault zone cannot be compared to the Vrancha area in southeastern Romania, which is the typical source of ground motion. Although there is no risk of an earthquake similar to the one in Turkey occurring in Romania, Mihai Diaconescu does not exclude the possibility of a high-magnitude earthquake in the future. Romania might see a similar earthquake not in scope but in magnitude. According to the Institute catalogue, a 7.9 earthquake shook Romania in the 19th century, which is the highest magnitude that can be reported in the Vrancha area. This could, of course, be an overestimation, given it is a historical earthquake. I don't expect Vrancha to report any unusual activity beyond the area's typical seismic parameters. Turkey's tragic experience should make us understand all buildings need to observe a certain code, seismologist Mihai Diakonescu also says. According to the Ministry of Development, there are some 2,700 buildings in Romania with a level 1 and level 2 seismic risk, mostly in Bucharest. In the last 15 years, no municipality has so far made it a priority to consolidate buildings that represent an earthquake hazard, Bucharest prefect Tony Greble argues. It's the indifference of people working in administration who failed to submit carefully prepared projects for the seismic consolidation of buildings. In the last 15 years, no city, particularly Bucharest, can claim it lacked the funds to do that. Every year, funds earmarked by the Ministry of Development, European funds, remain unused because we are not capable of coming up with and implementing anti-seismic projects, Bucharest prefect Tony Grebler. According to Development Minister Cheke Otilo, local authorities have identified over 200 public and residential buildings as part of the national plan devoted to the consolidation of buildings with a high seismic risk. The program addresses not just Level 1 but also Level 2 buildings, which remain equally vulnerable to a seismic event. The previous such program implemented over 1994-2021 managed to rehabilitate only 28 buildings. In the event of an earthquake comparable to the one in 1977, 23,000 buildings might face significant damage, experts say. The Romanian finance minister says that authorities are working on a funding program meant to support domestic food producers. I'm Mihaela Ignatescu with more in this report by Roxana Vasile. The Romanian authorities are working on a funding program of over 1 billion euros to support Romanian producers, especially in the food processing sector. Benefiting from this will be pork and chicken processors, as well as dairy companies, so that they can benefit from the lowest possible production costs. The announcement was made by the Minister of Finance, Adrian Cuciu, during a conference. We should say that lately, although food imports have grown at a slower rate than exports, Romanian factories haven't been able to cover the trade deficit. Thus, meat, milk, fruits and vegetables are produced with the largest trade deficits in the food sector. 
Referring, for example, to the pig sector in particular, the Minister of Finance stressed that the state will continue to resort to consolidated funding programs, in addition to the European funds. At the same time, the current government measures will be complemented by new funding initiatives, better adapted to the needs of the domestic market. Romania has a long tradition in the animal husbandry branch, but currently it is forced to import pork worth hundreds of millions of euros every year. If a decade ago more than six million pigs were produced in the country, today some farms are closed because they do not have viable sales solutions and the existing small slaughterhouses cannot cope. However, a solution would be precisely the development, at a national level, of large-capacity slaughterhouses. Then Romania, the number one producer of grain corn in the EU, could direct its harvest to the national livestock sector. Authorities also focus on the fight against swine fever and programs to support the husbandry activity. Meanwhile, the breeders of dairy cows have called on the decision-makers to stop the imports of milk from Ukraine, Hungary or Poland and to regulate a guaranteed minimum price that processors should offer per litre of milk. Otherwise, Romanian farmers are forced to sell their product at a lower price due to competition and fear bankruptcy. The situation is not better for eggs either. Because of the insufficient number of farms, the avian flu that closed many of them, but also the increase in the price of feed and energy, the profit of local egg producers in Romania has dropped by up to 30% and the price of an egg in stores is now higher than in other European Union countries. And in this case, part of the consumption requirement is covered by imports. That was Radio Newsreel. Time now for Hit of the Day on Radio Romania International. You're invited to listen to Scent of a Woman, performed by DJ Arando Marquez featuring Tavi Colen. Parfum de femeie Cu umerigoi Porți în privire Iubirea și alte comori Secundele noastre De mi dulci, de mi seci Urmele grele Doar tu le știi Nu se văd, doar tu știi să Rămâi ne 
mișcată Și visează puțin la tot ce vrei Iar eu am să schimb toate dorințele în destin Fiindcă timpul trece și doar listening to Radio Romania International. Society Today Protecting the environment, but also human health, through simple living, close to nature, with a minimum of pollution, is both the duty of public authorities and regular citizens. In Romania, where the circular economy is hardly encouraged by decision-makers, ecological civic activism is maybe slower in developing, but it is definitely doing so. In addition to NGOs, individual initiatives have emerged, which have a lot of adepts. One of them is that taken by Corina Chura, who, in addition to her regular job, keeps a blog and a vlog sharing her experience in consuming as little plastics as possible and generating as little waste as possible. For Corina, this is a continuation of her way of life close to nature, when she was a child in the countryside. During high school, as she was approaching maturity, her first decisions had to do with protecting nature. Here she is telling us about it. About the time I was finishing high school, I started selective collection. I started taking plastic objects, glass and paper, to those big bell-shaped containers who were put up in the streets. Gradually, as I gathered more information, I tried to reduce my consumption and to take smaller bags I was taking to the recycling bins. This was my ideal, zero waste, but it is more like an ideal I aim for. In reality, it is more a wish to be closer to nature. In today's society, it is more like impossible to live without generating waste. 
In Romania, we have no circular economy in which waste goes back into circulation, being absorbed and gaining added value. So my conclusion is that we should reduce consumption to begin with, not getting stressed because no one is perfect. We can't live perfectly, but we can do our best under the circumstances. So we asked Corina Chura to share her experience regarding the stages of living as sustainably as we can. Primul lucru pe care nu l-am mai cumpărat au fost sacoșele de plastic. Ca orice român sau ca orice om, The first thing I stopped buying was plastic bags. Like any Romanian or any human being, we had a bag of bags at home, which kept getting bigger. So why get more? Let me use these. I used them until they fell apart. Then I took them to get recycled, if they could be. Then I replaced them with cotton bags, or another durable material that wouldn't break down so easily. So that was the first change. Then I stopped getting water in plastic bottles. I replaced them with aluminum or glass, and with a water filter at home. Another change was to take a textile bag when shopping. When I started this, the movement was not so popular. I kept having to explain at the market or at the store that I didn't want a plastic bag, even if they were free. After that, I looked at the bathroom and I replaced liquid soap in a plastic bottle with solid soap in cardboard or without a wrapping. Then I replaced my plastic toothbrush with one made of bamboo and so on. I don't recommend that we make all the changes at once, just once in a while, slowly integrating them into our routines so that our system of habits doesn't collapse under the weight, leading us to believe that we are trying the impossible. Meanwhile, Corina got to the point where she hardly ever uses plastic, and if it cannot be avoided, she uses recyclable plastic. Fortunately, Romania now has online and brick-and-mortar stores selling organic products with no plastic wrapping. These are popular with zero-wasters, as they are called, a movement that Corina Chura encouraged, organizing around the country international campaigns such as Plasticless July. She continues to contribute to growing the zero-waste community in the country. Here she is telling us about it. This has grown, but it is still timid in Romania. It doesn't have so many adepts, but they are strong and won't quit. It seems that every year we gain more people. The pandemic set the movement back a bit. Things uh, had started moving in the right direction before 2019. There were even very visible events, companies that were involved. But I think we're getting back on track after the setback. There are some European Union directives that help us, so I'm optimistic. The adepts of sustainable and low-pollution living can now get information thanks to a project developed by civil society. The Vitor Plus, or Future Plus, association has many programs for recycling and selective waste collection, and one of them is called Map of Recycling. So here is Mihai Tanase, Director of Communication. The Map of Recycling is an online platform. As a project, it has existed for 10 years, but it is under its present form since four years ago. We're present at the national level. We have collection points all over the country. There are 15,000 points which 
put bins on the streets, set up by local authorities or sanitation contractors. They can be collection points in shops, pharmacies or gas stations. They can also be independent collection points. We organize them by types of materials, such as recyclable or electronics and appliances. We had over 700,000 users since we launched. You've been listening to Society Today. Coming up next on Radio Romania International, visit Romania. Welcome to visit Romania. I'm Eugen Nasta. We're heading today to southwestern Romania, actually to Volcea County's central part. In the town of Horezu, lying at the foot of the Carpathians, in a very special mountain scenery, tradition, spirituality and modernity perfectly blend into one another. They tie in with each other quite all right, all the more so as the developed infrastructure of the locality, but also of its surroundings, provide an easy access to the area's tourist assets. Christian Jovan is the director of Horezus Konstantin Brunkovanu House of Culture. He will now be telling us what the unique selling points are of that ethnographic center. Horezu is the capital of Romanian traditional ceramics. It is a brand that has been included in UNESCO's Immaterial Heritage in 2012. The Horezu decorated ceramics is famous. We have almost 27 families working, merchandising, demonstrating, yet there's more to it than that. Horezu is home to two UNESCO brands. The second, dated 1996, is the Horezu Monastery compound. Therefore, the people who are into monastic tourism can come to Horezu to discover those beautiful monastic settlements founded by ruler Brancovanu. Even the ceramics has a lot to do with the utilitarian ceramics that used to be manufactured for ruler Brunkovanus princely palace. We've got legends galore about that, and the tales are beautiful. Also, as of last year, Horezu has been a tourist resort of national interest, which does mean something. The quality of the air in Horezu is special. At an altitude of 1,800 meters, we also have a mountain resort where the activity is in full swing. The Kapatsana Mountains invite mountain lovers to take up trekking along mountain routes, many of which are suitable for a family trip, having a difficulty rated easy to medium. In the summer, you're sure to feel the difference in the temperature readings, as at the foot of the mountain in Horezu, you can feel the heat of the summer, but along the trekking routes you may take, you can cool down. Christian Jovan, you once again. Imagine that setting off from almost 600 meters and up to 1,000 meters along a mountain route, as we also have marked routes, you can reach an altitude that can also allow you to cool. If, let's just say, at the foot of the mountain, the temperature reading standards 30 to 36 degrees Celsius, up there the temperature reading does not exceed 20 to 21 degrees. Then a light trekking route you may take up and down again only makes one's body healthier. In Horezu, the ceramic craftsmen perfect themselves through tradition as from one generation to the next they hand down this wonderful craft. 
those who knead and mould the clay are genuine artists. The craftsmen can also be seen throughout the year, taking part in various events, and that because the cultural calendar in the town of Horezu is very busy. And that was Visit Romania. Next in this program, sports. Welcome everyone to Radio Romania International Sports Club, today about rugby. Romania's rugby team grabbed its first win in the 2023 edition of Rugby Europe Championship. The Oaks won 67-27 against Poland at home in a match played on the Triumphal Arch Stadium in Bucharest. Romania dominated the game as expected, scoring 11 tries. Mihai Kirika and Taylor Gotinak scored twice, while Mario Simionescu, Tudor Budnariu, Gheorghe Gajion, Hinkli Valvasa, Paul Popoia, Robert Irimescu and Alexander Dinu once. Popoia also converted two tries and Ionel Melinte four. One reason for concern is the fact that the Oaks conceded 27 points on home turf, the visiting side scoring three tries. The president of the Romanian Rugby Federation, Alim Petrakia, said he wasn't expecting the Poles to score so many points and admitted there are a few holes in the team's defences. Starting this season, Romania's rugby team has a new head coach, Eugen Apjok, who previously coached one of the best clubs in the domestic championship, Cesemeshti in Sabaya Mare. Apjok was also part of the Romanian rugby team staff for a few years, and starting December last year, he replaced the head coach Andy Robinson of England. Let us further note that the 2023 edition of Rugby Europe Championship will unfold in a new format. Teams are now divided into two groups at the end of the group phase. The first two teams in each group will compete in a Final Four tournament. Romania is part of Group B, playing along Portugal, Belgium and Poland. Group A comprises the Netherlands, Spain and Germany. In the next feature, this Saturday, the Oaks will play Belgium. Then on February 18th, it will play Portugal, both fixtures away from home. This year, Romania is competing in the World Rugby Cup, hosted by France, over September the 8th, October 28th. Romania was drafted in Group B alongside South Africa, Ireland, Scotland and Tonga. And this has been all for sports today. This feature is also available on our website ri.ro. Coming up next in the program, here is Truly Romanian, I'm Eugen Nasta. We have prepared for today a fine choice of songs performed by one of Olekia's most accomplished traditional music vocalists, Elisabeth Aticuza. For starters, here's one of her best-known recordings in which she praises her Wallachian origins. (laughs) 
Elisabetta Ticuza was spotted for her remarkable voice in the early 1960s when she was still a pupil. Next stop in the program, here is a song she recorded in Radio Romania studios. Crack and crack, 
Coming up next in the program, here is one of the most beautiful songs from Elisabeth Atikuta's repertoire. In the 1970s, Elisabeta Ticuza became a tenure-track solo performer of one of Romania's leading artistic ensembles, the Romanian Rhapsody. We end truly Romanian with yet another song performed by Elisabeta Ticuza.
că mi-a fost cam să pierd Dar într-o zi mai cu soare Am plecat în cotrul mare Lăsai pui singurei Fără apă, fără Living Romania. Coming up next, happening in Romania. Hello and welcome to a new installment in the Happening in Romania series with me, Lacramiora Simeon. Director Radu Jude and editor and producer Cătălin Cristuciu are participating in the 73rd edition of the Berlin Film Festival, which will take place between February 16th and 26th. Radu Jude will be part of the festival's international jury which will decide the winner of the prestigious Golden Bear Award. And Catalin Cristuciu will be a member of the short film section jury. Radu Jude won the Golden Bear in 2021 with the comedy Bad Luck Banging and Looney Porn and a Silver Bear in 2015 with the historical drama Aferim. Catalin Cristuciu worked as an editor on over 70 films, short films and television series. He also edited all of Radu Jude's films, as well as the films If I Want to Whistle, I Whistle by Florin Sherban, winner of The Silver Bear in 2010, and Blue Boy by Manuel Abramovich that won The Silver Bear in 2019. The Romanian sculptor Eugen Petri, born in Sibiu in 1958, is one of the most innovative contemporary artists, his works being anchored both in mythology and everyday life. His works of a pronounced monumentality, regardless of size, made in conventional materials, among which stone prevails, can be viewed both as a cynical and ironic statement on the current human condition and as a suggestion that humans have a chance to get access to a higher dimension. Recently, between January 19th and February 7th, 2023, Eugen Petri has participated in the Shilpasangam, the International Stone Sculpture Symposium hosted by the locality of Ambaji, the state of Gujarat. It was the fifth symposium from June 2022 until now. The organizer of the event was Sapti Stone Artisan Park Training Institute, the symposium being attended by 12 famous sculptures of the world, among whom Eugen Petri from Romania. Listen next to an interview made by Eugen Kojokariu with Nitin Dat, the director of SAPTI and the curator of the International Stone Sculpture Symposium. Director Nitin Dat, first of all, please tell us uh, the essentials about the International Stone Sculpture Symposium you have hosted in your state. Who are the artists? We have a group of uh, 12 sculptors from uh, 10 countries and uh, what uh, the intent was that uh, this is a fifth symposium in Ambaji organized by SAP. So we have been organizing symposiums since June 2022 and this is our fifth symposium and uh, we wanted to give 
an international perspective to what we are trying to do at Sapti Ambaji through its symposium approach. You are listening to Radio Romania International. What is, in fact, the Stone Artisan Park Training Institute? Which are your main achievements? So, uh, Stone Artisan Park Training Institute is uh, an institute which is set up by the Commissioner of Geology and Mining Government of Gujarat, uh, one of the states in eastern India. So, the Commissioner of Geology and Mining actually governs and controls and sets the rules for all the mining and ore uh, extraction and the policies related to it. A long time back, you know, uh, as a social outreach program, it was planned that uh, the section of people affected by mining, their children or eligible candidates should be given some sort of vocational training, which is related to stone, and stone specifically that is found locally. Mm-hmm. So in the state of Gujarat, we have two Sapti institutes. Was in, one is in Ambaji, Gujarat, where the white marble is found naturally. And the other institute that we have is in uh, Dhangadra, which is in Surendranagar district, where sandstone is found naturally. Right now, our core course is a two-year certificate course in stone craft and design. And uh, the main objective of this course is to prepare the enrolled students in all the possible techniques, whether they are carving by hand, whether they're carving by digital methods, whether they're carving on mass production mode, to train them to be uh, in a position where they can be entrepreneurs and then they can earn for themselves. So essentially, it is a vocational uh, course and it is equally balanced with the uh, the skill being imparted uh, pertinent to the, the stone artisanship and combined with, you know, uh, communication skills, digital education, computer awareness, art history, and entrepreneurship. In addition to that, we are soon going to also start some short-term courses which are specifically designed for people who have a prior knowledge of stone handling. You know, there's, there's, there are a lot of local artisanship, you know, a group of people who know how to carve stone, but then, you know, uh, they do not know how to integrate the modern technology into that artisanship. So Sapti plays a role by giving them an opportunity by through these uh, short-term courses, providing them with an opportunity to learn more new and digital techniques. Mr. Nitin, that, uh, tell me please, which, w- why is the marble from your state so appreciated? My connectional Eugen Petit told us that around the area he works, a lot of uh, marble careers can be, can be seen. As I mentioned earlier, uh, stone, uh, white marble is naturally found in Ambaji. And in this region, especially in the absence of uh, white marble monuments in India, this region becomes very important because in the neighboring state, in the Gujarat, we can find some really old uh, Jain temples or monuments which predates to 10th to 11th century. So uh, it is really important for us to, you know, use the material or the stone that is found locally and which also has a historical significance to work in that and to take it forward into our contemporary times.
I will come back to the symposium. You are the curator and I would like to ask you how was the working atmosphere? A symposium is a very uh, symposium is a very dynamic activity. It is full of as a curator it becomes my responsibility to you know invite sculptors or select sculptors which uh, sort of inculcate and include uh, variety in their work, you know, different approaches, different techniques and it it is very dynamic. It's a very it's a very creative process that we deal with. It is not something that is very entirely systematic or you know uh, very uh, flowing uh, through a certain process so there are there are creative challenges and there are ground uh, related challenges some some of the the technological challenges some of the human challenges that we that we face every day but i think that is the beauty of a symposium because there are Twelve different kind of people working with the same material, but with uh, different approaches, different philosophical ideas, different concepts. And when they work in one place, it becomes a very it becomes a very dynamic place with you know so many things happening. But I think at the end of the day, at the closure of the the symposium. I am anticipating that we will have some wonderful uh, monumental works of uh, stone uh, uh, from all across the globe and they would uh, adorn the public spaces of Ambadi. And my last question, you told us that this is the fifth symposium you organize and uh, the the question is which will be the next event you will organize. So the the next uh, symposium that is lined up is the symposium for Indian sculptors of international repute so we will invite some of the best contemporary indian sculptors who were uh, who were practicing in the medium of stone to uh, ambaji the reason uh, see there was a certain chronology we started with the, our first symposium which was for upcoming and student sculptors then we gradually sort of uh, up the ante and then you know we invited you know more senior sculptors and then in in the middle our fourth symposium was totally for uh, the traditional uh, stone sculptors of india the fifth one uh, which was originally planned to be for the indian sculptors but we had to postpone them because of the weather conditions yes. sometimes in the march you know in the month of march the weather uh, over here might get too hot for uh, you know international sculptors and they might not have been able to the conditions would not have been you know really uh, productive for them to really you know uh, carve and make large scale sculptures so we sort of pre-pond the international sculpture uh, international sculpture symposium before we wanted uh, initially as planned to invite the indian sculptors of uh, international repute that was nitin dot in the end of happening in romania today focus on romania Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk with me, Eugen Nasta. Sofia Popa was a talented traditional music vocalist hailing from a commune in northwestern Romania's Bihor County. Not only was Sofia a gifted vocalist, but also she was a schooled musician. She pursued a higher education study program with a conservatory in Cluj and continued her musical education with a conservatory in Bucharest. 
Sofia Popa was a member of the Georgianescu Philharmonic Squire and she kept her job until she retired. Sofia Popa was faithful to the traditional music of Bihor County and here she is with a beautiful love song from her native region. With that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1800 hours UTC on 7350 kHz in the DRM system and on 9770 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1200 hours UTC on 17800 and 21470 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at ri.ro channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> 